0: Uh, Good morning. Can you hear me? Um, I'm not not there, obviously. Uh, Yesterday I tested positive for COVID, and uh, so not going to give that to anybody else. Feeling pretty yucky, pretty tired, coughing here and there. Um, But um, hey, uh, Dave wishes that he had my problems, right? Um, We want to keep continuing to pray for our brother Dave. and um, Don't know if y'all got the word. He did get off the vent yesterday, which is a huge step. But uh, Dave's got a long haul to go, and uh, we will continue to lift him up in prayer. So let's get into the message this morning. How many of you this morning would say that you know more than God, right? None of us would, right? I mean, it's ludicrous to even think so. And yet, in practice, how many of us have acted contrary to God's word? I mean, God says, do it this way, and we say, no, I'm doing it that way, right? Like, we know better, right? Uh, Why do we do that? What are the implications of those kinds of actions, and what can you and I do to walk in greater harmony with the Lord? First of all, why do we do it? I think part of it has to do with our attitude toward God's Word. We look at the Bible, um, at least at times, that, that it teaches us how to live a good moral life, right, how to be a good Christian. And we do what the Bible says, well, then we're in a better standing with God. And when we don't, we're not so much in his good graces, Um, at least until we repent and tell God we're sorry and he forgives us. And we kind of get in this cycle of uh, this is what I should do. This is what the Bible says. Um, But my flesh wants to do this. And so we give in to that desire of the flesh and uh, then we feel bad for letting God and ourselves down and we ask the Lord to forgive us which he does until the next day or two or three down the road and uh, we we hit the same cycle again right and after the course of time we just kind of determine that the Bible is a, a standard that we would all love to live up to but in reality it's It's kind of too hard for us and we're always going to fall short. So we'll just kind of reach a a happy medium. Um, Been there, done that. How about you? But according to the book of Proverbs, go ahead and turn to chapter seven this morning. According to the book of Proverbs, that isn't at all how we should be looking at the word of God. Proverbs seven, beginning of verse one says, my son. Keep the words, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call insight your intimate friend. To keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. I want to title the message this morning, Buried Treasure. Buried treasure. So back in my late teens, I got a hand me down from my brother. Uh it wasn't a shirt or a pair of pants. This was a 1976 Monte Carlo. Um sharp, isn't it? Um great looking swivel buckets. Uh I mean it was it was an awesome, awesome car. I wish I still had it. But my pride and joy of that car was the sound system. And for those who remember Jensen speakers, I had triaxles in the back, Series 2 coaxles in the doors. And yes, you could hear me coming five miles away, but it wasn't the, you know, it was music. It was carry on my wayward son, you know, um, back in the day. And so I had that. I had a Pioneer deck in there and an added equalizer booster, all that I hooked up myself. Not an easy task when you're upside down with your neck all cockeyed and your head under the dashboard connecting a bazillion wires, yellow, black, green with a white stripe, white with a green stripe. I mean, there were so many of them under there, and all of them had to be exact for all these speakers and and add-ons to work right. And I will tell you, I was so grateful to have schematics for all that. Otherwise, I'd have been totally lost, right? The manufacturers provided these schematics so that I could have this dream setup of mine. It what it, it, it they didn't have this note in there and says, if you want to be a good listener, you will use these. Or you better use these or we'll be upset with you. No. They gave me these schematics to help me be successful and to save me countless hours of frustration by trial and error. Way back in the Old Testament, look what God told Joshua, uh, who took over for Moses, Joshua 1.8. He says this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it for then, right, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So he says in Proverbs 7, my son, keep my words, treasure up my commandments with you, keep my commandments and live, keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Do you see it this morning? The the word of God is like My schematics, not something that we're supposed to do to be good or to make God happy, right? But wisdom from God to help us succeed in life. And therefore, we should not look at it as something that keeps us in line, but like treasure buried in the Bible, buried in the book I would be holding up in front of you today. If I was preaching this, just waiting, buried treasure, just waiting to be dug out and used to enhance our lives, something to be grateful for, like I was for those schematics, wisdom and knowledge that's going to give us a greater quality of life, better relationships with others, and just a better life all the way around. It should be then the apple of our eye. You, you know what that means, right? Just something, just so precious and special to us. Verse two again: Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. What does that mean? You know, how do you, how do you, you know, you, you walk around with uh, strips of paper tied in knots? <laughs> no. Uh, in, in other words, it, it means keep them where you will see them often. Kind of like a wedding band. Right? It's a constant reminder that, that we're in a relationship with our spouse, right? a covenant relationship with our spouse. And likewise, um, keeping God's word where we will see it often, a constant reminder that we're in a covenant relationship with him, that we have his wisdom to live by, that he is with us and for us and wants us to have a successful life. Write them on the tablet of your heart. When something's written on our heart, uh, it's first of all something that we love, right? Uh, I I love this um, Psalm 119, uh, 97 to 99. David says this, oh, how I love your law. Oh, how I love your law. How many people say I love the law, right? Uh, David had such a... um, that kind of a an attitude, that kind of a relationship with the Word of God. He said, it's my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. That's the attitude that we're looking for. David realized just how much God's word did for him, and so he loved it, right? Also, writing something on the tablet of our heart means something else. It means that it's become part of our makeup, part of who we are, right? When when the signers of the Declaration of Independence put their John Hancock, pun intended, at the bottom of that document, right, Putting their lives in jeopardy, they showed that this cause, that these principles of forming a, a, an independent nation, uh, that they were written on their hearts. Right, they were believed in at the very core of their beings. So, to, for us to write God's word in the in the tablet of our heart is to make it a part of who we are. Right. Um, Carla this morning talked about um, memorizing scriptures so that they're always with us, right? In our hearts. Verse 4 says, say to wisdom, you are my sister. Call insight your intimate friend, right? Do, do, do you see that God's word, the, the wisdom and insight that, that our creator has given to us is not something that that we're just distantly connected to, but should be something we are intimately acquainted with. As you and I open that book, as we spend time in it, meditate on it, pray through those words, ask God, what are you saying to me in this? How can I apply this in my life? Right? We become intimately acquainted with it. Not, not hearers, as James would say, not just hearers of the word and deceiving ourselves but doers of the word it becomes a part of us say to wisdom you are my sister call insight your intimate friend verse 5 to keep you from the forbidden woman from the adulteress with her smooth words but not all, of course he's talking to sons here right and and uh, steering them away from adultery right? Something that obviously was um, uh, a a real temptation, always been throughout history, right? Um, But not only does God's word lead us to success in life, it keeps us from falling into temptation. To take off on the example given here, uh, Ephesians 5.25 says this, husbands, (laughs) Love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for them. So if a husband uh, doesn't just take that to say, I should be a better husband when I get around to it, but really takes that to heart, okay, God, what are you saying to me? Show me ways to show sacrificial love to my wife. Help me to implement this in my life so he's looking for ways to love his wife sacrificially not only is this man going to have a better and happier marriage it's going to think it's going to keep him from thinking about fishing in someone else's pond right because why because the two are diametrically opposed to one another he cannot be actively trying to love his wife and looking elsewhere at the same time so god's word not only uh, helps us to be successful, but it keeps us from falling into temptation, falling into sin. Let's ask that question again: Why does God hate sin? right? Is he just trying to keep people in line religiously speaking? No, he hates it because of how destructive it is in our lives. It hurts the people that He created and loves. How many have had a loved one caught up in drugs or running with the wrong crowd or some other thing, right? Why do you hate those things? Is it so you can say, hey, look at our fine-acting family? No. Or is it because these things are hurting your loved one? Right? So Proverbs, uh, going back to chapter 6, verse 27 says this can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched so it is with he who goes into his neighbor's wife none who touches her will go unpunished and 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 he says now 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 think about this people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he's hungry right nobody's going to get really a person's starving and they stole a loaf of bread they're not really going to get down on it but if he is caught he still is going to have to pay sevenfold because that was the law he's still going to uh, be in trouble for being a thief right he will give all the goods of his house likewise he says verse 32, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse though you multiply gifts. So what do you see here? You see, a a command against adultery because it doesn't fit with our religion. No, it's a warning. Listen, if you do this, it's going to come back to bite you big time. Wounds, dishonor, disgrace, and the wrath of a jealous husband. Right? Not to mention the, the, the suffering of the innocent like children whose lives are turned upside down. See, there are natural destructive destructive consequences to sin that's why our father in heaven wants us to avoid it and because he loves us he's given us his word to help us now yes uh let's be honest sometimes disobedience to god's word leads to disciplinary action from god himself (laughs) excuse me but but even in that as we saw some weeks ago it is it is God's intervention to create, correct behavior in our lives to keep us from continuing to go down a destructive path. Okay? A path we would not be on if we would see God's Word as this incredible blessing to be treasured and loved. Wisdom and insight given by the smartest being that exists that will lead us to the best life we can have. Don't look at God's word as some standard that I'm supposed to live by if if I want to be a good Christian. No, treasure it in your heart. This This is the greatest wisdom known to man, the greatest insight to help us to succeed in life and to avoid trouble. We should be like David saying, God, I love your word. It's my meditation. It makes me wiser than the people around me. It keeps me from falling. It it, it, just brings so much blessing into my life, and it's a treasure to me. Amen? So I hope this has um, corrected. Uh, If any of you have been there, like I said, I have been for sure. Um, lived for years uh, tr- trying to uh, meet the standard and falling short. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, loving His Word is, is a much better approach. <laughs> I'll tell you from personal experience. So, <laughs> let's pray. Father, we thank you for Your Word. You have, You've given it. You have preserved it over many years where people have tried to uh, stamp it out get rid of it uh, destroy it and uh, yet it continues to thrive it continues lord to uh, to be printed we have uh, we have print version we have digital version lord we have uh, n- newer versions lord that are, are are written in common language so that we can understand it God, so many resources that we have to help us to learn and understand the wisdom and insight that you want to give us so lord help us to treasure your word put it in our hearts make it the apple of our eye and see what following it will bring about in us and through us as we reach out to this world. We thank you. We give you the praise. Through Christ we pray.